Hey there. Well, this is it, the first episode, inaugural show. I thank you for dropping by, and I hope you're looking forward to it as much as I have. And it's going to be a time where I'm going to really talk about a lot of different things today, uh, none of which will be earth-shattering or important. Um, one of the things I did want to do was kind of take a minute and talk about, kind of introduce the show a little bit, try to lay down some points about what the show will be and what it won't be. Um, what it won't be is the same thing or topic every every show. In other words, it's not going to be just about Bigfoot or the paranormal. It's not going to be just about economics. Could you imagine how boring that would be? It's not going to be just about music. Things you know, things like that. But we'll have we'll have varied segments. Um, what it is going to be is it's going to be probably consistent in its time frame. Um, I'm not going to run very long. I don't think that there's any reason that uh, you all could find to listen to me for more than 45 minutes. Episodes will probably last between 30 and 45 minutes. Probably not going to have any commercials, probably not even going to have any mid-show breaks, but I do understand why they do them. It's great for an editing tool. But uh, So yeah, I'm going to get you in and out of here as quick as I can. And of course, you know, it's always your choice to get out a lot quicker by just, you know, clicking the stop button. So it's one of those things, hopefully we'll have some stuff you like. Um, you're probably not going to like every show, and that's the way it is with most podcasts. I mean... My favorite show, my favorite podcast, Expanded Perspectives, I don't like every show they do, and I you know, I don't listen to every show they put out because it's just not something I'm interested in. And so if that's the case with, you know, with, with what I'm saying, I'm totally understanding that you were like, no, nah, I didn't want to sit there and listen to that for 30 minutes. So it's going to be one of those things. Hopefully I'll find out a little bit about what you guys like, what you don't like. Um... Probably not going to get too political. I might throw in a little something of sarcastic, sarcastic or uh, satire. But uh, generally not going to get too political here. Um, I think it's a situation where we've got too much of that going on. And you're probably looking for some kind of break from that anyway. So that being said, uh, yeah, probably won't see anything you know, overtly political at all. Um, so some, well, I, I was going to say some comedy, but y'all might not think it's funny, whereas, you know, I find it hilarious. But uh, anyway, that's kind of what the show's going to be like and about. Got a few different topics for you coming up tonight. Uh, I'm going to be uh, talking about uh, our stupid criminal of the week. Uh, going to be talking about a little bit of weird news. And uh, we actually have some uh, listener mail. I know, hard to believe. How'd you get listener mail when you don't even have a first show? Well, 
It's a friend of mine. I've known her for a while, and she actually has some listener mail she wants to talk to about the moon and the way we see it. And then I'll have a couple other short segments and get to my main topic, which today is going to be about the treasure of Forrest Finn. Uh, I'm going to talk about that tonight because it was recently in the news about, oh, two, three, maybe probably about three weeks ago, maybe a little longer. Someone has allegedly, and I stress the word allegedly, uh, discovered the uh, treasure of Forrest Finn. And I'll tell you more about that. That's probably something you might not have heard a lot about recently. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you about that. Um, had it, I did have some off time this weekend. So I'm sorry, this last week. And uh, actually made it down to, uh, down to Louisiana. Do a little fishing, camping. Uh, had a great time. I wanted to kind of get away from everybody and make sure I was, you know, away from the COVID stuff. So... You know, I went as far out in the bayou, swamp, whatever you want to call it. About as far out as you can go. And a uh, great time. Sat there, found a little place where I could drive the Jeep down close to the water because I didn't want to walk in very far or anything like that. So, I'm sitting down. It's been there about two days. And uh, fishing's okay, hit and miss. Uh, didn't catch anything spectacular. Well, you know, you can hear a boat a long time before you can see it. So I hear a boat coming, and I uh, grab my binoculars. I'm looking to see. I figure, ah, somebody can tell me I'm fishing in their spot, or I'm too close to their dock, or something like that. That sometimes happens, so you got to be a little, uh, little bit of aware about things like that. So sure enough, I see this John boat coming. It's probably a couple hundred mile, a couple hundred yards away. And it gets closer, and I'm looking at the guy in there, and he's probably, oh, in his mid, mid, uh, early to mid-40s. And he's got scraggly hair, and he's got on a Skinner shirt. And he pulls up, and he uh, starts talking, and, um, well, it's, y'all know that coach for LSU? All right. This guy makes that coach for LSU like sound like some kind of Lord Pemberton of the Royal Arts and Poetry Society. I mean, I was getting, you know, maybe every fifth or sixth syllable. None of this was making any sense to me. And so finally, he says something. He's, you know, said, how long are you going to be here? I said, well, I was planning on leaving in the morning. He said, ah, and he's got this horribly thick Cajun accent, which I'm not even going to try to replicate. Well, I might a little bit. But anyway, he says, ah, that's too bad. We uh, we have a bayou party uh, tomorrow night. I said, well, I got to, you know, get home, probably leave early Friday morning. I got a long ways to drive. He's like, I, I think you like it. You like you like the bayou party. He goes, we got food. You like food? Well, now, anybody that's ever seen me, they can pretty much tell I like the food. He said, you, 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 like, you like music? I said, well, some of it. I don't really like a whole lot of it. And, uh, you know, he's talking about, do you like dancing? I was like, no, I'm not really a dancer. He said, they're uh, probably going to be some, some, some good loving go down there. You like that? And I said, well, I think pretty much everybody likes that. And. At this time, I'm thinking, you know, I really don't have much to do. I haven't been out in, what, six months? So, 
I'm telling him that I'm thinking I might go. And uh, so, but in the last minute, I'm just like, I really don't want to go. I said, uh, you know, I, I understand there's going to be good music and some dancing and maybe some loving, but I, really the main reason I came way out here in the middle of nowhere was to get away from all this COVID stuff. I don't want to be around a bunch of people. He said, well, that's not a problem. He said, ain't going to be nobody there but you and me. So that was pretty much my interaction with the locals there. I let Mr. Boudreau, or whatever he called himself, I just let him, you know, take his little boat and leave. And, uh, well, I wouldn't have left too. I ain't going to lie. I didn't really want to stick around there after that. So I don't know. I guess it takes all kind in this world. But anyway, uh Let's kind of get to our uh, stupid criminal moment. Um, this is a pretty good little segment sometimes. Uh, this one comes to us from a while back. Uh, comes out of Florida. In fact, Santa Rosa County, Florida. Um, law enforcement uh, pulled some guys over. They were going uh, 25 miles over the speed limit. And uh, they kind of looked a little shady and a little suspicious. You guys have watched Cop and Live PD. You know how it goes. So they uh, start looking in the car, and they don't have to look long in this instance. And they uh, go ahead and say, hey, can we, uh, we're going to go ahead and get the dog out. Let the dog sniff your car. Well, you know, I mean, I wasn't there. I'm guessing they agreed and everything. So doggy gets out of the car. He sniffs around. Of course, he hits on a couple places. And they said, okay, you know, we'll go ahead and put the dog back in the car. And uh, so, turns out, the, what they saw before they even brought the dog out, uh, in their car, they had a bag, literally labeled, bag full of drugs. So, yeah. Uh, and it wasn't just a little bit. It uh, had quite a bit in there. Uh, 75 grams of meth. 1.3 keys of uh, GHB, a gram of cocaine, 3.6 grams of fentanyl, and 15 MDMA tablets. So, you know, they they had pretty fair stash there, but, uh, you know, so I guess that's one. I mean, it's guess it wasn't a huge amount, or they would have had big bag full of drugs written on it, right? I mean, this just said bag full of drugs. So I'm guessing, you know, in 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 drug dealer terms, that's that's you know just a moderate amount, not really a big amount. So, I guess you know that uh, might make them the uh, oh no, I got to finish it up. Um, so the uh, the guy later says, uh, you know, man, I hate that you found them. He said, well, we 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 never would have found it. If it wouldn't have been for the fact that our dogs could read. And that's about it. That's that's all you get for stupid criminal of the day today. I'll uh, try to get something better for you next time. So remember, this is the first show. Things can only get better. Well, I think. But uh, from stupid criminal, we're going to move along to something that's not a whole lot different. Uh, this is some weird news. Well, as weird as things get in Nebraska... A farmer is draining one of his uh, irrigation ponds that he uses to collect, you know, the runoff and everything when he irrigates his crops. 
and he's pumping the water off and uh, checked on it the following morning. And he went out there and, you know, he's looking around and he sees something. He thinks it's, you know, an old washer or dryer or something. He's thinking, man, who came out here, threw a washer and dryer in my irrigation pond? Now I got to go in there, I got to get the tractor, I got to haul it out, I got to do all that stuff. So he looks at it and he takes a picture of it. And then he kind of zooms in and it's it's not a washer or dryer. It is a, uh, it's a, it's a full-fledged, full-blown ATM machine. So, uh, being the honest farmer that he is, he calls the police and they came out and checked on it. Said, yeah, it matches, you know, one that had been stolen about uh, two or three weeks before, uh, a few miles down the road. And uh, so he kept that. He could have kept it. I, I, I got to tell you, I would probably have, uh, yeah, I'd have probably taken the crowbar to it and found out. Because uh, apparently, apparently they were unsuccessful in uh, breaking open to it, getting into it. Kind of, kind of like that uh, episode of Breaking Bad, if any of you remember that one. But um, these guys, yeah. So that's kind of the news of the weird. Um, yeah, I know it's not that weird or not that newsworthy. But like I said, this is the first show. Things might get better. Okay. Now we're going to move into what could be my favorite uh, segment of the show, and that is listener mail. Of course, this being our first show, this is our first listener mail. Uh, this one uh, comes to us from a little kid I know named Brittany. Well, she's not a little kid anymore, but uh, I've always thought her that way. And she asked me, she said, Bob Man, why is it that we can't see, with all the telescopes we've got and everything, why is it that we can't see the flag on the moon to prove to everybody that, that we did go to the moon? She says, I, I, um, I myself believe we went to the moon, but I, I wish I could see that flag for, for definitive proof because sometimes I start thinking about it and think, wait, did we really? And if I could see the flag, it'd be better because I'd have that as, you know, some kind of tangible evidence. So, basically, her question is, why can't we see the flag on the moon? And the answer is, um, I don't know. So, that was all for uh, listener mail today. No, I'm just jerking your chain. Um, we can, but we can't see the flag on the moon. Um, a guy out at the uh, Arizona State, a professor by the name of Mark Robinson, uh, chief scientist for cameras, was pointing out that, first of all, it's not one flag, there are five. And he says they've been up there so long, and these, now, here's what kind of blew my mind. This is a flag that we're sticking on the moon. We're staking our claim to the moon. This flag's going to represent the United States of America and last for, you know, 300 years. Turns out the flags are really cheap. Plain cloth, $5.50 flags. That's right. And over 50 years, he said, it's probably not going to hold up real well to all the UV cycles and the hot and cold cycles, not to mention the what he calls micrometeorite bombardment. He said, so uh, they're up there. He said, 
we think they've fallen down. We're, in fact, we're pretty certain they've fallen down. Um, he's talking about the one initially planted in 69 during the Apollo 11 mission. He said uh, Buzz Aldrin himself mentions that uh, he saw he saw that flag fall down from the exhaust blast when they were taken off. So that's why we'll never see that one. And also because the resolution on these telescopes, he said not even the Hubble could do it. The resolution on them is just not intense, not great enough to circle in and find such a small... He said they're a three-foot by five-foot flag. And like he said, they're going to be... They're not going to be bright and colorful by any means anymore if they're, you know, still in existence. He goes, now we can see the flag poles, and we can see that several of them have fallen over. And the way we see those, though, is not with a telescope, but with the... Uh, Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter that uh, was put up there in 2009, I think. Um, and we're just going to say it was 2009. I, I can't remember the exact year. But uh, he says now they can zoom in with the uh, Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter. And uh, they photographed five of the six flags listed there, left by astronauts from the Apollo missions. So we, we know there are five of them. What he said you can see really well, though, is the, uh, the little lunar, lunar rover vehicles, LRV, or moon buggy, as everybody called it, uh, which made me instantly think of that old arcade game, moon buggy. That was a, that was a fun game. Does anybody remember the moon buggy game? So moon buggy game, that was good. I enjoyed it. It's where you had the little moon buggy, and you had to make him jump over rocks and craters and... Sometimes stuff would shoot at him, and anyway, something killed him, because otherwise he'd just play on forever. But no, getting back to Brittany's question, so yeah, you can't see them because there's just not a telescope that good. But they can use that uh, Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter, and uh, they, they've got the pictures, and I'll post these in the show notes. I'll put uh, a link over there where you can go see them and look at them. Uh, they're pretty interesting, and uh, there's also a link about the uh, little lunar vehicle itself. This was a pretty cool little vehicle. Uh, it was uh, about 10 feet long by 6 feet wide, four-wheel drive, battery-operated, of course, and uh, really tough little vehicle, and like I said, I didn't know they took one, well, they took, they didn't take one on Apollo 11, but uh, the four, the four, uh, missions you know subsequently they did so i don't know they say we're going to go back to the moon and um isn't it gonna be weird if we get there and every one of those four little moon buggies are sitting on blocks that's you know i'm gonna kind of be questioning you know their stereo will be gone and they'll be sitting on blocks so that's when we kind of worry and that's you know, when we'll probably figure out why we stopped going to the moon. So, you know, I remember when I was a kid, everything was moon this, moon that. We love the moon. We're going to, you know, build colonies on the moon. Your, your children are going to vacation on the moon. Then one day they just stopped talking about the moon, didn't they? Wonder why. Who knows? Maybe. My guess is that uh, really they got up there and said... This is the most boring place ever, and 
every bit of it's alike. You, you collect, you know, five pounds of moon rocks. It's like collecting five tons of moon rocks because they're all the same. That's my thought on it. Now, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something more sinister up there that we're trying to be, you know, trying to steer away from. I don't know. But uh, anyway, I hope that answered your question enough, Brittany. Uh, like I said, check the show notes, and uh, there'll be links to the articles there that I've pulled for all of these. And uh, you can feel free to read them there and see if that uh, gives you any more detailed information. And uh, I encourage everybody, send in your listener request. Uh, love to hear stories. It tells me what you guys want to hear about. And equally as important, it uh, saves me from having to sit there and lay awake at night thinking up a topic. So, by all means, love to hear your thoughts and inputs on the show in general, but also on the topics you'd like to cover. And, uh, you know, I can't say I'll get to every one of them. Um, It's just going to be one of those things I'm going to get to as many as I can. Now, I realize I'm not going to be, you know, inundated. I think I probably have 12 listeners on this, so I realize I'm not going to, you know, just be buried with email. But, uh, let me, oh, speaking of which, I did set up an email for the show. It's uh, rantingsofthefatman at yahoo.com. Once again, that's rantingsofthefatman at yahoo.com. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes as well. So, yeah, send in any type of email you want to, telling me, you know, general thoughts or feedback or uh, requests for the, uh, requests for, uh, you know, show topics. You know, hope to hear back from you and hope I, I hope I get a lot of those. In fact, I hope my email is full tomorrow. So, yeah, go ahead and get those submitted for me. Y'all get ready now. He's going to bitch about something. That's right, kind lady. I am going to bitch about something. You know why? Because this segment is called Bitch of the Week. And so I'm going to bitch about something that, I don't know, it's kind of been bothering me for a little while. Not i've been losing any sleep over it it's just kind of one of those things where i think about it and think you know that's really stupid and gonna go ahead and set it up this way if you go to mcdonald's you got the guy working behind the counter he's doing his best well most of the time sometimes they get your order wrong and uh the guy in the back cooking it he's doing great um we call them fast food workers that's pretty much what we call them is a fast food worker the guy at Chick-fil-A, doing the same thing. Taking your order, cooking your meal, boxing it up, handing it to you. We call him a fast food worker. But, all of a sudden, if you go to Starbucks, oh, they're not a fast food worker, they're a barista. They have this exalted title of barista. I'm not just a regular fast food worker even though I stand behind a counter in a goofy-looking hat and uniform and uh, make you coffee and hand it to you, but I'm not a fast food worker. I'm a barista, and you really need to make certain you understand my, my importance as a barista as opposed to, you know, that of a regular fast food worker. And uh, like I said, I haven't been really losing any sleep over it, I just want to know who sat down to determine that, you know, Starbucks workers, you know, were supposed to be, you know, on this higher elevated cloud than anybody else that works in fast food because that's, uh, 
that's pretty much what they work in is fast food. Hence, that makes you a fast food worker. So I think you need to stop calling yourself a barista and just say what you are. Say, hey, I'm a server. I'm, you know, I do the same thing that other people do. I just, you know, sell you a product that uh, really costs about three times more than it's worth. And, well, maybe that's why I'm a barista, whereas the other people are fast food workers. But, anyway, that's my bitch of the day. Um, again, uh, rantings of the fat man at yahoo.com if you want to call and voice your opinions to my bitch of the day. Or if you feel that, uh, you know, the barista is the most exalted title in the world. And maybe, you know, maybe... Maybe they shouldn't even have to pay tax. Maybe they're so important and so vital to the world that they shouldn't have to pay tax because they're a barista. So that was the bitch of the week. Um, you'll pretty much get one every week, sometimes two of them. And uh, that's just pretty much it right there. Um, that was the bitch of the week. And um, like I said, please feel free to get back to me with email if you agree or disagree with my bitch of the week. Okay, as I alluded to earlier in the show, uh, the main topic for this show would be uh, Forest Finn's Treasure. And I'll tell you a little bit about that. Most people aren't familiar with it. I myself wasn't the least bit familiar and had never heard of it until uh, I heard an episode on the podcast I listen to the most. Like I said, uh, Expanded Perspectives. Uh, it's a really good podcast, and they had a really good show on it. And uh, I made sure in preparation for this show that I did not go back and listen to their show because I didn't want to, you know, cover the same things. Um, tell you a little bit about this guy. He was born in uh, 1930, and uh, he was born in uh, Texas, out in East Texas. I'm sorry, West Texas. And uh, he did, uh, he joined the Air Force, became a fighter pilot, uh, fought in the uh, in the uh, Vietnam War. He may have fought in, in the Korean War as well, but there's nothing here that references it. Um, he did uh, receive a uh, commendation. He had the uh, Air Force Silver Star. And uh, at some point he, you know, retired and opened an art gallery with uh, one of his partners there in his own squadron. They opened a art gallery in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And they would, uh, you know, sell trinkets and stuff, but they had the idea, let's just sell kind of to, to the suckers. Let's, let's sell to the rich people. So celebrities uh, were some of their biggest clients. Rockefellers, uh, the Spielbergs, he didn't say if it's Steven or who, but... Uh, he sells them a lot of stuff that probably wasn't worth half of what they paid. But, uh, you know, hey, it's a, it's a good gig. If you can get it, do it. I'd, I'd certainly do it. I mean, if I could get you guys to pay me, you know, 300 bucks a pop to listen to this podcast and you were willing to do it, I'd, I'd, I'd even let you listen to it twice for $300. But anyway, getting back to uh, Forrest Finn, and... I always wondered, I wondered if, if that was his real name. Because the name Forrest Finn, it, it sounds almost like something made up like Phineas Fogg, the guy from uh, Around the World in 80 Days. Um, but I checked. It really is his, uh, his real name, Forrest B. Finn. I don't know what the B stands for. But I did look up his uh, Air Force uh, record of service and his medal, and 
it was awarded to a man named Forrest Finn. So I guess that puts that out of the way. Anyway, long story short, or as short as I can make it, yet still make it interesting, uh, he becomes really successful, multi-million dollar uh, gallery owner there in Santa Fe. I think he bought his partner out at some point. I'm not certain for that. Not, like I said, not 100% certain on that. But in 1988, he uh, has lung, I'm sorry, kidney cancer. So they take out his right kidney. So, boom, Forrest has no kidney from that day forward on the right. He's got his left one. So he thinks he's going to die, though. He really does think he's still going to die because he's still got to go through the chemo and the radiation and everything. Because apparently this cancer was quite uh, aggressive and uh, metastasized all throughout his body. And so he was worried he was going to die. But this guy kind of was one of those people that strikes me as, you know what? I'm too important just to die and just be an obituary in the paper. You know, he's kind of one of these legend-in-his-own-mind kind of guys. So, he decides he needs to write his memoirs. And he uh, tries to get a guy to do it. The first guy is, is reluctant, says no. But he said, well, let me tell you a little bit about it. It's going to be more than just writing a memoir. What I'm going to do is, before I die, I am going to take a treasure box, a box full of treasure, out in the desert, or he doesn't specify the desert. Let me retract that. He says, I'm going to take it out in the wilderness, place it, and in my, in my memoirs, I'm going to leave clues as to where the treasure might be. And, uh, you know, let people search for the treasure. He, he figured, uh, you know, hey, it was a good way. He said... He said he wanted to do it to get kids out from, you know, out in, back out indoors because they were playing video games all the time was all they were doing and kids weren't playing outside. Or That's one of the reasons he cites. I think, again, it was just, you know, something to keep his name alive. So he gathers this treasure together and he's got it in a box. It's a little box from the 12th century, which is worth a lot in and of itself. It's, it's a bronze box. It's, a, it's 10 by 10 inches wide and 5 inches deep and weighs 22 pounds. And in that box, he, you know, started gathering stuff. Some of it he had from his own collection. Some of it he actually went out and acquired specifically for putting in this box. Uh, some of the things it mentions here, uh, a lot of gold coins, uh, sapphires from Ceylon, uh, ancient Chinese carved jade faces, and Alaskan gold nuggets the size of a chicken egg. And uh, so he puts these all in this box, but for some reason he's just not quite ready to do it back then in, in 88. Not quite ready. So he holds on to it, keeps it in his, uh, in his vault at home, and... Finally, at some point, I think it was in 2010, he decided to go ahead and do it. He was, he had, he'd beaten cancer, so he said, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So he hauls this box and its contents out in the desert. I, I'm sorry, I keep saying the desert. desert. It's, it's not specified where, where it was. Um, 
I just when I whenever I think of Santa Fe, I think of the desert. So anyway, he takes the box out there. Uh, he has to take break it down in two trips because by this time he's just about eighty, and uh, the contents of it I think he said weighs forty four pounds when it's all assembled together. So he does it, and then he tells the guy, "Okay, I did it. Let's write the book." In the book, it's going to be you know some clues as to where the treasure is buried, and uh, he wrote. Well, I, I say he wrote the book. I think he had a, co a ghostwriter with him, who it's not specified here. But uh, eventually, he gets it figured out, and uh, he prints up a thousand copies that he's going to just sell there at the uh, little uh, tourist shop there in Santa Fe, near, near his gallery. Uh, so, three or four people hear about it. Somehow it catches fire. Um goes through the internet and they're selling books you know quicker than they you know they've had to republish it i think they said over twenty thousand times and it's sold um, on ebay now he donates the books he says to that little bookstore there which they have to you know basically keep in a safe so anyway long story short it catches fire well not to everybody because i'd never heard of it but People are searching. I mean, they're, people, are, people are mortgaging their house to go out and carry out these long-term searches for it. Uh, one of which, uh, everybody, everybody's favorite uh, man of fame for 15 minutes, if you guys remember a fellow by the name of John Wayne Bobbitt, he invested great deals of time and money into looking for this treasure. So, long story short, it goes on for ever since 2010 and uh, people actually get into a lot of trouble because they're you know they're, they're starting to dig on you know BLM Bureau of Land Management and Indian Affairs land and things like that places where they're not supposed to dig and um, so a lot of people in law enforcement were wanting him to call it off just call it off because you know we're getting a lot of people that are trespassing and they're digging in places they shouldn't be that are protected cultural sites, things like that. So it's causing a lot of uh, problems throughout the, the Rocky Mountains. The, and by that, I mean the entire length of the Rocky Mountains. In fact, um, there's even been five people that actually died doing it. Um, they'd, you know, be looking in a pretty perilous place. And, you know, they might fall into a river or something. Um, you know, here's a guy found dead in Yellowstone National Park uh, back in 2017. Fell 500 feet off a cliff, and uh, he was there looking for the uh, treasure. Um, so that was one. Like I said, there were five people that died. I'm not going to go over everyone. I'm going to give you a couple more. Um, a guy named Eric Ashby was found dead in Colorado's Arkansas River on July 28th of 2017. Um he had specifically moved to Colorado to look up, take up looking for the uh, treasure. So, yeah, he, he apparently was in a rafting accident. Um, a lot of the people, the uh, families of those that have died, have uh, tr tried to bring about lawsuits or things like that. There's one attorney got into it from New York who uh, 
not about the deaths. She just said that his cl- he he didn't give you know precise enough uh, clues, and that his clues were misleading. Well, now my question on that, if you want to talk logic, if she doesn't know where the treasure is, how does she know the clues are vague and misleading? I mean, you don't have to be Gil Grissom to figure out that she doesn't understand that theory all the way through. So anyway. People looked for it. People died. People had a lot of fun. And uh, he he's still alive. And let's go back about three weeks. Somebody says they found it. But they're not saying who. Uh, Finn, Forrest Finn, talked to him. He said they sent him, you know, a... Uh, a snapshot, a picture of, of the box, and he verified that's the box, and it showed its contents and everything. He said, that's it. And they're, they're like, you know, who found it? He said, well, he wants to rem- remain anonymous. I, I, only thing I'm allowed to tell you, it was a guy from back east, and I can't be any more specific than that, was that it was a guy from back east. So, leads me to question a couple things. You know, A... Was the treasure ever really put out there? Or did he just do it to make money and sell books? And with his type of ego, I'm sure every night he if you know, he'd sit there and just laugh and think about all the idiots out running look around for something that doesn't exist. And uh, you know especially, you know, if he could carry it on till his death. My thought is he might have needed the money or something. So, let's say it was placed out there. And like I said, I don't even know. We don't have any definitive proof that it was ever placed in the wilderness for people to find. Because the person that allegedly found it, they're, they're keeping quiet. They're not saying who they are or where they found it or anything. Uh, Forrest Finn is saying, yeah, this is photographic evidence. This is This is the box I placed in the wilderness, and he's not telling where he put it. He said, you know, it's a secret to remain. And so I have to think, A, it never existed to begin with, or B, he was getting a little low on cash or something and wanted to go out and uh, reclaim the box himself. And then at some point, he'll have somebody allege that they were the person that found it. I mean, these are just my my thoughts on it so you know that's kind of the way i look at it is we don't have any documentation or anything that this thing really existed or that it was really placed in the wilderness or that it was located so those are some questions that i have in my mind that i can't just say oh wow that's cool somebody found the hidden treasure you know coolest thing ever no i'm i'm not uh I guess I'm just way too cynical because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy in on that line, just not something I believe in. So that's kind of you know something for you guys to think about. Uh, I always want you to you know ask yourself these three questions: w- Would you have gone to seek the treasure? Would you have you know invested very much time or energy or money to seek the treasure? Um, 
if you found the treasure, what would you do? Would, would you make it known? I mean, because you got to remember, the things that are in this box, it's not just money or gold bullion. These aren't things you could easily, you know, fence down at the local pawn shop. These are something that would have to go through an auction house and everything, and I'm sure they'd, you know, be tracked and cataloged at some point throughout their history, and people would know where it came from. So then you're going to pay taxes on it. So, you know, would would you would you keep it? Would you look for it? And um, do you all think anyone found it or that uh, Forrest just kind of reclaimed it himself? So, you know, again, rantings of the fat man at yahoo.com. Uh, you know, send me a little bit of input about what you think as to the true nature of the treasure, whether it existed or whether it was found or, you know, if it was just something he made up to lay in his bed and laugh every night thinking that people were out there looking for it. That, uh, that's about all we have for tonight. Uh, not a whole lot more to say about the forest men thing. Uh, next week, hopefully I can get it out on the week. I, I do apologize. I was supposed to have released yesterday on the 6th, but uh, I, I just wasn't feeling well at all. So I uh, recorded today, and hopefully I'm going to get this all edited and dropped out here in a couple hours. I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. And uh, hopefully I'll try to have a new one for you on Monday. It's going to be about some uh, what I call must-see TV. It's really new TV. And uh, I'll just give you a, I'll give you a hint for those of you who may or may not have seen it. It uh, stars Nathan Lane. And, uh, well, no, i tell you what. I'll just go ahead and tell you right now. It's going to be about the uh, most recent uh, season of Penny Dreadful. So... This way you've got a week to watch it. Uh, I can promise you, I will not be giving any spoilers. I will never give spoilers on this. I mean, unless it's something that's like a 20-year-old movie. But I'll never give spoilers. But yeah, you'll have a week. If you haven't seen it, it's on Stars or Showtime. I always get those two confused. But uh, it's definitely worth a watch. I will tell you this, and again, not giving away any spoilers... It is vastly different from any of the previous seasons of Penny Dreadful. So, even if you didn't like those, there's a really good chance you'll like this one. So, that's all I've got for now. Uh, you guys are the best if you turned in and if you listen. Uh, please give me feedback and reviews. Uh, five stars and whatnot. And like I said, send that uh, listener email in. And... Uh, until next week, that's really about all. Oh, uh, tell you one thing I'm going to do. I, uh, I kind of like, like the Marvel movies. So, you know, if you hang around long enough and don't leave just right after the main ending, sometimes you get a little bit of a bonus nugget. So keep that in mind, and uh, I'll see you guys next week.
Is it time for Doc Martin?